Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you checking out the podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. Fieldpasshockey.com and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app, which is available for free on the App Store and on Google Play. Your Knoxville Ice Bears are the William B. Coffey Trophy winners as the regular season champions for 2022. It is Knoxville's first regular season title since 2009 and fifth overall. That is the most in the history of the SPHL. Knoxville obviously would prefer to win the President's Cup. It is going to try to do that as the postseason begins on Wednesday, the regular season is over. We have playoff matchups set. We are going to discuss all of it as well as Knoxville's status going in to Wednesday's postseason opener against Roanoke. So recapping the weekend really quick, Knoxville was down 2 to nothing on Friday against Evansville. And kind of looking around the other results around the SPHL, there was still a possibility going into this weekend that Knoxville could fall as far as third place if things didn't go its way. Evansville led two to nothing early in the second period. Andrew Ballant got Knoxville on the board with a goal about five and a half minutes in. Austin Plevy, the former Ice Bear, scored with one minute left to go in the second period. It was three to one going into the third. Brady Florent, the something that Chris Jones called the Brady bounce. It happened on the uh, the third period on Friday night up in Evansville. Brady redirects a shot that hits the right post, pops up. Into the air, Brady swats it back down past Chris Jansen. That makes the score 3-2. to two. Four minutes later, Chris Jones in his first game for the Ice Bears scores his first professional goal from the right circle off a really nice wrist shot. Dino Balsamo scores the game winner. Stop me if you've heard that before. Andrew Ballant iced things over with an empty netter for his second goal of the night. So Knoxville, despite not getting a power play and despite getting outshot 39-25, to 25, the Ice Bears rally from a two-goal deficit, and score four goals in the third period to clinch the regular season title. Knoxville needed a win or an overtime loss or losses from Peoria and Huntsville. Uh, Knoxville got the loss for Peoria. Birmingham, of course, was unable to defeat Huntsville, so Knoxville needed a win or an overtime loss this weekend. That led us to Saturday's game, Knoxville and Evansville, and at this point, Ultimately, the only thing Knoxville was playing for was sole possession of the SPHL's all-time wins record because Knoxville went into that game with 41 wins. Huntsville had 40 and with you know the expectation to beat Birmingham on Saturday night, which they did. So if Knoxville loses this game to Evansville, then it shares that record with Huntsville. And I think from a pride standpoint, Ice Bears fans were pretty happy that they didn't have to share that record. And so that is something that is going to stand with Knoxville hopefully for a long time. Before this season, only one team had ever won 40 games in a single season in the SPHL. Three different teams won 40 games or more this season. Fayetteville won 40, Huntsville won 41, Knoxville won 42. And so it's pretty neat because that's a record that might stand for a long time. So while we had three teams that either tied or broke the previous record for wins in a season, 
we also had two teams that broke the previous record for the fewest wins in a single regular season. That was 11 that had been done a couple of times. I know Huntsville had that happen to them back in the 2015 season, but Macon only won 10 games this year. Vermillion County just won five. So while you had three teams with the highest win total in SPHL history, you had two teams with the lowest. And so that sort of math has kind of balanced itself out a little bit where you're naturally going to have three teams that are going to be able to gun for a record like that. So Knoxville gets sole possession of it. I don't think it's likely that you have two organizations that struggle as much as Macon and Vermillion County did this year. I don't think that's going to be the norm. So it's not going to be a given where we have a team winning 42 games on an annual basis, which makes that record fairly significant in the sense of it might stand for a while. And so that's pretty cool. Now, granted, we do have four teams in the last two full seasons of the SPHL to hit 40 wins or more. So you are starting to see some teams put together that success, uh, but 42 wins in a 56-game season, that's 75% of the regular season turned out to be wins for Knoxville. And to put that in perspective, that's only happened three times in the history of the NHL. So it's kind of interesting to kind of, when you compare the the history of the National Hockey League, uh, the Red Wings did it, way back when, where they won 75% of their games. The Tampa Bay Lightning did it recently um, and, you know, had 62 wins out of an 82-game schedule. And then Montreal, back in the 70s, won 60 games out of an 80-game schedule. So only three times has it happened where a team has won 75% of its regular season games. Not easy to do. And now Knoxville is moving on to its ultimate goal. And Jeff Carr has described it as a laser focus from the guys in his locker room and his team is going to be looking for six more wins the rest of this month. And so Knoxville got the overtime win. They trailed one to nothing after the game went scoreless through the first 40 minutes. And Brady Florent just tries to clear the puck out of the crease and it just hits Connor Chatham. And it just Connor Chatham just happened to be there trying to close off Brady. Brady tried to clear it, just bounced off Connor, went behind Christian Stead in the net. That had been the only goal that had been scored thus far. And then Brady manages to find some space in front of the crease. Jason Price finds him with the puck. And Florence slips the puck by Chris Jansen with two minutes left to go in the game. And I was really happy for Brady to get that. Because you don't really fault Brady for doing his job of what he's supposed to be doing. He just gets a tough break. But I kind of remember seeing Brady standing by the net after that happened. He looked dejected. He hated that that had happened the way that it did. So to see him get the game-tying goal, Stefan Timofeyev with the one-timer from the left circle gave... Knoxville, the game winner, uh, that was awesome. And it was a great crowd and credit to Ice Bears fans because it was a sold-out game on RC Racing Night, which is a promotion that we had not done before. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I thought the races went really well. The fans seemed to really enjoy themselves. But that crowd reaction after Timo Feyev hits that game-winning goal, a really special moment for sure. And, And that was a lot of fun. And so I think fans enjoyed that as much as the staff and the players did. And it's a record-setting win for Knoxville. So just a great way to end the regular season. But obviously, everybody in the organization, the front office, the staff, the players, the coaches, the fans, everybody wants the President's Cup. That's what Knoxville is going to be trying to do this upcoming month. And it starts with Wednesday night's game at 7.30 at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum against the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs. So Knoxville goes in as the number one seed for the first time since 2009. Now, kind of the bad news for Knoxville. 
the playoff roster was released over the weekend on Sunday afternoon. Rasmus Waxenangback is not on it. He was placed on season-ending IR. He is still in Knoxville, so he he was not sent home or anything. He is still with the team. He's going to be here to support the team. But Rasmus Waxenangback was placed on season-ending IR after breaking his hand in Friday night's game against Evansville. So your forwards for the playoff roster, and again, you get 20 players that you get to name to your roster as opposed to 19 during the regular season. J.B. Baker, Dino Balsamo, Andrew Ballant, Stefan Brucato, Carter Colthorpe, Brady Florence, Stephen Leonard, Anthony McVeigh, Jared Nash, Taylor Stefishin, Stepan Timofeyev, the defensemen, Charlie Granith, Chris Jones, Nick Leitner, Kyler Matthews, Trevor Momot, Jason Price, and Tanner Salisbury. So Momont returns to the team. He was with the Ice Bears during the weekend of Knoxville's trip to Roanoke at the beginning of April. Uh, Kale List was not named to the playoff roster. Uh, so Momont essentially comes in to replace List, and he returns to the Ice Bears. And then obviously the goalies, Jimmy Parita, Christian Stead. Uh, I thought Stead had a really solid night in net on Saturday. Parita Probably that second goal to Koi Prevo on the short angle that split his pads probably would have liked to have had that one back, but not much you can do about the redirect at the end of the second period. And then the one in the first period that, you know, just an open shot, a wrist shot from the left circle at the dot. Can't really give up that sort of real estate. And Derek Osick made a really nice shot to beat Jimmy up high. So I think Perita, considering that he had to face 30 night shots, made some big saves to keep Knoxville in that game. Ed Goalie's are going to have to steal games in the postseason. It it happens every year, and you see what Hunter Vorva has kind of done in some performances in the last couple of weeks. On Friday, Huntsville was outshot 42-27, to and Vorva posted a shutout. He had plenty of goal support, but still, a 42-save shutout. I don't care if it's against Birmingham, Pensacola, Vermilion County, whoever. Your goalie stands on his head and gives you 42 saves in a shutout. You feel really confident about who you have between the pipes going in. So, goaltender play is huge. Knoxville's going to need to obviously have guys step up in Rasmus Wax and Engback's absence, and we'll see what the lineup looks like going into Wednesday, but that's obviously an unfortunate loss. And then, of course, Taylor Stefishin will not be available for Wednesday's postseason opener as he's still serving the third game of a three-game suspension. And then J.B. Baker uh, will not be allowed to be activated off the IR until later in the week. So Baker and Stefishin will not be available. Obviously, Wax and Engback will not be there as well. So Knoxville going to need a little bit of steady play from its top six forwards for that Wednesday night game at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. I will say this, talking to Jeff Carr, he says there's nothing but glue in the locker room. He says we faced adversity before. If you remember that Huntsville game where uh, back at the end of December where Brett Menton, Ryan Ramage, and Thomas Crabtree were inserted into the lineup because two days before, Stephen Leonard, Dino Balsamo, Andrew Ballant, and Stepan Timofeyev were either placed on IR or called up to the ECHL. Knoxville took those three guys, inserted them into the lineup. Evan Moyce was starting in net, and Knoxville went down and won the game at Huntsville. And so Jeff told me over the weekend, we're not asking our guys to do anything that we haven't asked of them all season. And it's going to be... It's going to be different. We would love to have Rasmus in the lineup. We'd love to have Baker available for Wednesday. We'd love to have Stefishin not on suspension. But we have done this before, and we're confident that we can do it again. So a very confident bunch, despite being a little bit shorthanded from this Ice Bears locker room. And you have to like the team chemistry. You have to like the way that these guys have battled adversity all year. Uh, And my count might be wrong, but I believe it is 10 wins this season 
where Knoxville trailed in the third period and ended up winning in regulation or overtime or a shootout. So Knoxville faces Roanoke at 7.30 this Wednesday night at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Tickets are still available at KnoxvilleIceBears.com. The first 2,000 fans through the door will get a rally towel presented by TCS of Tennessee. I'm Joel Silverberg. We'll look at the other playoff matchups when we come back right here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. In the slot, looking, shot, scores! Whoa, yes, an overtime game winner gives Knoxville a 3-2 win on the road. This presentation of Knoxville Ice Bears hockey can also be heard while you're on the go via the Field Pass Hockey app. Read articles on your favorite team, view photo galleries, listen to live games and podcasts from across the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the app, now available in the Google Play and Apple app stores. So the first round playoff schedule is set after the top four seeds were finally solidified over the weekend. Seeds five through eight kind of got nailed down earlier um, after Friday. And so Knoxville will take on Roanoke. They will play Wednesday night in Knoxville, Saturday night in Roanoke, and then Game 3 will be Easter Sunday at 5 o'clock back in Knoxville if necessary. The 2-7 matchup is Huntsville against Evansville, and so they will also go with the home away home. Huntsville will take on Evansville on Thursday. They will head back to Evansville on Saturday, and then if needed, they'll be back at the Von Braun Center on Easter Sunday. That'll take place Sunday night. The 3-6 matchup is Peoria against the defending President's Cup champion Pensacola Ice Flyers. Pensacola does not have access to the base center for the first round, so they will play their home game in this series at Birmingham's Pelham Civic Complex where the Bulls play. So Pensacola will actually host game one, so the lower-seeded team will get home ice advantage in round one to start out, but then that will be Wednesday night, and then game two will be back in Peoria on Friday, and then Game 3 will be Saturday at the Peoria Civic Center if necessary. The 4-5 matchup will be Fayetteville against Quad City. They will head to Moline, Illinois first. So Quad City, the 5 seed, will actually host Fayetteville at the Tax Slayer Center on Wednesday, and then Games 2 and 3 will be Friday and Saturday back at Crown Coliseum at Fayetteville if necessary. So the top four teams are really, really good. I will say this, Quad City, you know, a few weeks ago, they took on Fayetteville in a three-game weekend. They took two of three from the Marksmen. So, four-five series could be really competitive. That three-six series, you never want to count out Pensacola in the month of April. And Peoria dropped a couple of games to Quad City recently. They lost to Knoxville back a couple of months ago, then dropped three straight when they lost to Knoxville a couple of weeks ago, I should say, not months, and then lost to Huntsville after getting swept by a couple of games in regulation and then lost back-to-back games at home to Quad City um, late in the regular season. And so, you know, maybe Peoria not playing their best hockey at the right time. Granted, that's why you hit the reset button and everybody's record is 0-0 and when you get to April. But Pensacola finished off the regular season looking pretty good. No, they lost that game to Macon. That was kind of a game that had no significance. All the seeds were set in stone by the time we were done with Saturday night. So when they played on Sunday afternoon, really wasn't anything for Pensacola to play for except staying healthy. But Pensacola, I think, will be really confident going in. Rod Aldoff, you never count that guy out. You know that he gets his players up to play in the month of April. Uh, Peoria still has a really good team. Eric Levine's had some of the best numbers in net this season. Uh, Alec Bear was named the Kevin Swider leading scorer uh, at uh, earlier this afternoon on Monday. 
and so had the first 80-point season in a long time for Peoria um, than for anybody in the SPHL. So a, a very high-scoring campaign from Bear, and then also you have Alec Hageman. Marcel Godbout led all rookies and was towards the top of the league in goals scored. So you've got a handful of players that can do some really, really good things for the Rivermen. That's going to be a very tough out for anybody. And then the 2-7 matchup, you look at Huntsville and Evansville, and talking to Tommy Pecorero, um, the voice of the Thunderbolts over the weekend with Knoxville and Evansville facing each other, he said, you know what? I'm really confident, and and I think he should be. I think Evansville should be really confident with how they played against Knoxville. Defensively, they shut Knoxville down pretty much for five out of six periods on the weekend, and I liked what they did defensively. They cut off passing lanes. They got sticks in the shooting lanes. They did not make it easy on Knoxville, and even on Saturday night when Knoxville put up 40 shots on Chris Jansen and and outshot Evansville more than a two-to-one ratio, Jansen was really strong in net. And, and so I think Evansville has to take some positives away going into this series against Huntsville. But Tommy Pecoraro said, look, we beat Huntsville three times during the regular season. We're confident with the way we match up against them. We think our physicality can take them out of ry- rhythm. We we like our odds as much as any 2-7 matchup that you could. And so I, I think Knoxville is kind of going to be looking at that and, and seeing how that plays out. And Knoxville is going to be trying to you know, move forward and try to handle a tough Roanoke team. And Knoxville went five and two against Roanoke this season, but the three games in Roanoke were really tough. And three of the four games in Roanoke, Knoxville went four and oh at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum against the Rail Yard Dogs. Three of those wins, Jeff Carr has kind of acknowledged Roanoke let us off the hook. And so Knoxville is is not going to be able to sleepwalk through this. This is a very difficult one eight matchup. And Roanoke has a history of eliminating number one seeds when they've just completed a 40-win season. They did so against Peoria back in 2019. And so I I think it's just really trying to emphasize, do not underestimate the opponent. As we see upsets every season, it's only three games. You, You have one bad night, and suddenly you're on the brink. If you have another one, well, then your season's over. And so Knoxville understands that. And I think there are guys in that locker room that understand just how difficult it is to win a ring in this league. And and there are guys in that locker room who were on the team last year that are disappointed of what happened last season, where Knoxville had leads against Pensacola in both games one and two in that semifinal series, ended up losing both of them. Dino Balsamo was on the Macon team last year that lost to Pensacola in the President's Cup Finals. And talking to him, you know, he told me when Knoxville lost the semifinal series, everybody in our locker room thought we had just won the championship. We we were anticipating playing Knoxville in the finals, and when we got Pensacola, we thought we had won a title, and that didn't happen. Macon got swept uh, after beating Huntsville in the semifinal. They got swept by Pensacola, and so Dino Balsamo is fired up, and he wants a title. And I think for him, coming from Adrian College, which is one of the best D3 hockey schools in the nation. Adrian finally won a Division Three championship this year. But when you think about Andrew Ballant and Dino Balsamo, some of the guys that have played for the Ice Bears from Adrian, Adrian was a program that was knocking on the door for years and finally got one this season. So for guys like Ballant and Balsamo, who are used to competing at a high level and competing for championships but don't have one yet, this is a big deal for those guys as well. So Balsamo's come close in college and in the pros, and so now he is going to, you know, he understands that there's an expectation with that number one seed to make a deep run. So I think the guys are very, very motivated to try to put something together. And so we'll uh, we'll see how it all plays out. 
I think Knoxville is going to have a lot of energy going in. And I think just like we've seen it throughout the course of the season, they're going to find a way to get things done, whether they have to scrap and claw their way or whether you see somebody explode and go put out a, a two or three goal performance and put the team on their back. I think Knoxville finds a way to make in-game adjustments and they find a way to get goals late when they really need to. And goaltending is going to be really important as well. I appreciate you checking out this edition of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Uh, please make sure to follow on Spotify, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and be sure to tell someone you know about the KIB podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey, fieldpasshockey.com, and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app. They've got a live game broadcast of SPHL games, including the Knoxville Ice Bears, available on the app. Uh, where they've got blogs, photo galleries, and so much more. All your minor league coverage, not just the SPHL, the ECHL, the AHL, whatever you want to follow in minor league hockey, Field Pass Hockey has you covered. We will talk to you next week, hopefully after a playoff series win, but the Ice Bears face Roanoke on Wednesday night. They will be at Roanoke on Saturday night and then home on Sunday, if necessary, at 5 o'clock at the Coliseum. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you for listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey.